Ghost. So we're going to continue our journey through the book of Esther part two. And as I shared last week, I love hearing people's stories, stories where they've battled against the odds and come out on top, where they've, you know, been tested and pushed through and come out the other side. And Esther is one of those kind of stories, the story of a young Hebrew, a Hebrew woman whose heroic acts saved not only herself, but saved her people from what was really certain destruction. They were, they were going to be annihilated. They were going to be wiped out by a crooked tyrant who was set on their destruction. And so it's, it's a cool story of, of how God comes through in the midst of that. And so over the next few weeks, I, I don't know how many, uh, how many parts I, I said in one of the services, the next 19 weeks, but I, that stressed people out. So don't be, don't be stressed. But I, I do want to take some time because we can rush through uh, uh, passages or rush through books of the Bible and never really uh, uh, get, uh, I guess, squeeze out all the truth that is uh, in there. For these, uh, there, there. There's so many things in these books and uh, um, I, I want to take some time to do that as we walk through for a few weeks, however long it takes. But just uh, my hope is to reveal her story from the pages of Scripture. And, and so as, that, as we hear and are, are inspired by her story and her courage, that, that it might inspire us in our story and in our walk and in our journey, that which we are walking through. And so that's my uh, uh, my desire. And so, especially in the times that we're living in, where they, they were living in strange times, we are living in uh, certainly very uh, different uh, times with all the cra uh, COVID craziness that's going, uh, going on. But last week, we looked at chapter one, and that's online. If you uh, missed it, it's, it's online. You can go and see it. But it did end with Queen Vashti, if you remember the story, losing her crown. She lost her crown. She uh, uh, lost her royal position. Now, I don't know uh, this for sure, but uh, uh, some scholars will say she would have been executed from here. So she, I mean, she's gone. She's out of the picture. And uh, we know why. We can remember that she refused the king's request to uh, dance before his drunk buddies uh, only wearing her crown. She's like, no way, Jose. It's not uh, going to happen. And all the ladies said, amen. Don't do it. Don't do it. So, so that was not going to happen. And for that, as I said, she was banished and never to come before the king again. And so as Vashti exits, Esther enters. And, and I want to take a moment to read, uh, uh, I guess, a good portion of the chapter uh, of, of, of chapter 2, the story of Esther. And I am reading it from the Message uh, Bible, which is actually just a translation, uh, uh, or, or it's actually not a translation, uh, rather, but it, it is really just a, a book that tells it like a story. And so I think it captures the context in a story-like form, and that's why I want to read it. But I do want to encourage you to read it in your own time, in your own uh, Bible. And it starts off like this. Esther chapter 2, verse 1. It says later. Everybody say later. later. Say it like you believe it. Come on, later. Later. Now, the reason I'm just pausing and holding on on that, because we're going to talk about later, later, just when we get to it. So I want you to remember that we're going to come back to that word. 
It says, later when King Xerxes' anger had cooled and he was having second thoughts about what Vashti had done and what he had ordered against her, which was probably her execution, the king's young attendants stepped in and got the ball rolling. They said, let's begin a search for beautiful young virgins, not virgins, beautiful young virgins for the king. Let the king appoint officials in every province of his kingdom and, and bring every beautiful young virgin to the palace complex of Susa and to my harem run by Haggai, the king's eunuch who oversees the woman. He will put them through their beauty treatments. Then let the girl who best pleases the king be made queen in place of Vashti. The king liked this advice and took it. Now there was a Jew who lived in the palace complex in Susa. His name was Mordecai. His ancestors had been taken from Jerusalem with the exiles and carried off by King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon into exile. Mordecai had reared his cousin Hadassah, otherwise known as Esther. Remember that Esther is not her real name. It was Hadassah, otherwise known as Esther. Since she had no father or mother, she was an orphan. Here's what it says about Esther. It says the girl had a good figure and a beautiful face. A good figure and a beautiful face. Interesting. After her parents died, Mordecai had adopted her. When the king's order had been publicly posted, many young girls, I don't know whether how they posted it. They didn't have Facebook back then, but they posted it. Many young girls were brought to the palace complex of Susa and given over to Haggai, who was the overseer of the woman. Esther was among them. Haggai liked Esther and took a special interest in her. Right off, he started her beauty treatments, ordering special food, assigned her seven personal maids from the palace, and put her and her maids in the best rooms in the harem. Esther didn't say anything about her family and racial background because Mordecai had told her not to. Every day, Mordecai strolled beside the court of the harem to find out how Esther was and get news of what she was doing. Each girl's turn came to go into King Xerxes after she had completed the 12 months of prescribed beauty treatments. Six months treatment with oil of myrrh, followed by six months with perfumes and various cosmetics. They were putting it on, for sure. When it was Easter, it's not Easter's, when it was, probably Pastor Easter, I don't know. When it was Esther's turn to go to the king, she asked for nothing other than what Haggai, the king's eunuch in charge of the harem, had recommended. Esther, just as she was, won the admiration of everyone who saw her. She was taken to King Xerxes in the royal palace in the 10th month, the month of Tibet, in the seventh year of the king's reign. The first thing I just want to do today, or my first point, is really just introducing the heroes of the story, who are Esther and Mordecai. This is where we first meet them. Esther, of course, was an orphan. And Mordecai, her cousin, had adopted her and was taking care of Esther. And Esther, we saw last week, her name means star or a star. And she certainly was. She certainly was the star of this story along with Mordecai. Uh, as I was reading this, it, it did pop out to me and uh, strike me that it's funny that the Bible mentions about Esther that she had a uh, good figure and a beautiful face. I, I don't know if you find that 
interesting or you find that funny that the Bible sort of points that out. This is the word of the Lord. This is the word of God. Yet it points out the girl had a good figure and a beautiful face. Should it be doing that? I mean, should it be doing that? And the NIV, it says she was lovely in form and features. Lovely in form and features. So she was a good looking girl. But I do think it's funny how the Bible mentions that. But all that to say this, I do think sometimes as Christians, we can over-spiritualize things and just say, look, it's all about the heart. It's all about the heart. God, the Bible, there's no, you don't worry about outward appearance. It's all about the heart. And uh, come on, if we're honest, if we're, uh, if we're honest and, and, and don't over-spiritualize things, come on, when you are looking for your life partner, it's not just about the heart, right? Come on, if we're, if we're honest and we want to be taught, taught the truth here, it's like it's about looks as well. It's like, I, you know, I, I like the heart package, but I also, uh, you know, I, I, we, we've got to understand it. That's why, that's why when, when people are going to find their life partner, they, they, they get themselves like totally dressed up and uh, put their makeup on. They'll put their best clothes on. They'll go out shopping because they're going for their date or whatever uh, or whatever it is. And they want to look their best, right? They want to put on their best things. The girls will spend maybe ages on the makeup. And none of the girls here, but you may be in the other services. But, but they'll just spend ages on their makeup to just make sure you're ready for the perfect Instagram photo or whatever, whatever it is because you want to look right for that man. You want to look, you want to look good, sister. And so you, you, you're getting yourself... Uh, all, all sorted out. And of course, the guys, guys, they go to the gym, right? They, well, some of them, they go to the gym. You, you too can have a buddy like mine if you're not careful. But they go, they go to the gym, right? And so, so they'll work out. Why? Because they want to get the girl. They want to go after her. She's my, you know, she's my princess. She's my Esther. She's my this. She's my that. You know, and so they'll, they'll work out. They'll build their muscles and what, what, whatever because they understand it's not just about the heart. It's not just about, come on, I'm, I'm talking real here. I'm just trying to be authentic. And, and this, is, this is good. I like that this passage is in here because it helps me relax a little where I can go, you know what, it isn't just about the heart. Looks are there too. And, and, and because of Esther's looks, she had what it took, come on, to get into the palace. You've got to understand that. Because, because of Esther's looks, she had what it took to get into the palace. And I'm just saying for all those who are married out there or going to be married or whenever you're married, just know this. What happens up to the wedding day? People are like, go to the gym, do the exercise, do the thing. After wedding, what was here slowly comes. Come on, you know it. It's the truth, isn't it? Come on, anybody had that problem? Come on. Don't say the devil made me do it. He didn't. Come on. It's just, it just whatever was there comes down. And it's just like, and, 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 and same, it's like, well, he's just going to love me just how I am. No, 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 no. Oh, I mean, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> Boy, that's not online. That'll be cut into a little YouTube video. Look, you've got to, I, I'm, I'm just saying, it's like you just can't, you know, guys, girls, just, you can't just let yourself go. It's just, I, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, uh, uh, that it just happen. Should we move on? I mean, I think it's like... Is, is there a hole on this stage that's like, you know what I mean, right? Hallelujah. <laughs> I just think it's funny how the Bible points that out anyway. Because we know that scripture, you know, the Lord looks on the heart, not on the outward appearance, but, but, but it's both. I'm just saying it's both. And for your marriage, you've got to understand it's both. Sometimes we get married and we go, well, I'm, ne I'm never going to do it. I'm going to just wear my trackies. I'm just going to do it. Uh, no, 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 no. 
Let's do relationships right. Can I hear a good amen? <laughs> uh, no, all the men are quiet. They don't know what to do, what to, you know. I'm just being real. I just like the fact that the Bible says both are important. So anyway, Esther, her name, moving on, moving on. Esther means star. What does Mordecai mean? Mordecai, <laughs> Mordecai means a little man. Yeah, yeah. Mum and dad, what were you thinking? Mordecai, the name Mordecai means little man. And so as we walk through this book, you'll see God had a big plan for the little man. But what a name, right? What a name. Who, who, who woke up? Oh, I'm going to call one of my kids little man. We, we, we just don't do that. And of course, we live in a world today where we're obsessed with being the big man. You know, I want to increase my level of influence. I want to have that platform. I, what, what's my social media platform? I want to increase it. I want to get bigger, better, faster, stronger. And, and, and that, that is the mindset of so many because that's how the world thinks. I'm going to climb the corporate ladder. I'm going to take it on and, and, and get to the top no matter what. I'm going to, uh, that's the type of person the world says is a success. That's the type of, type of person the world says we should be, but... I want to remind you, disciple of Jesus, follower of Christ, we are not of this world. We're to be different. In the world, when you want to be first, it's like just take whatever you need. In the kingdom, you want to be first, you've got to be last. You want to be the greatest, you've got to be the least, the servant the servant of all. The kingdom is different. His ways are not our ways. They're, 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 they're higher. They're, they're, they're different. But the world doesn't treat us. I mean, no one wakes up in the morning and goes, you might feel little sometimes, but you, you go, man, I, I want to get bigger. I want to get... But, 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 but we don't wake up in the morning going, I just want to be little man. That's not what success looks like. As I was thinking about this and our relationship to to what it means to be a follower of Jesus, I was thinking about John the Baptist, and there's a passage in Scripture where his disciples come to him and they, they say, "Hey, John, do you realize?" that Jesus, who you had baptized a few weeks ago, has gone. You're not going to believe it, John. He's gone and started another church down the road. Not just down the road, it's across the river. There he is over there. Like, that's really annoying because I poured my life into the guy and uh, I baptized him. And what does he do? He starts the church of Jesus down the road and... Everybody, they're like, John, are you okay with this? Because now everybody who was, who was coming to you, we've lost all our business. They're all going over to Jesus Church. It's like, are you okay with this? And John gives this reply, this response. He says in John chapter 3, verse 30 in the ESV, he says, He must increase, but I must decrease. He must increase, but I must decrease. In the New Living Translation, 
He says, he must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. In the contemporary English version, uh, he says, Jesus must become more important while I become less important. In other words, he was, he was saying, Jesus must become big, I must become little. What a difference to the way the world thinks. John the Baptist was saying, I'm okay with being the little man. And really, my little challenge from this little passage of Scripture is that I pray that our lives would not be so much about becoming bigger, brighter, more famous. Oh, I hope I can, you know, have more influence. I hope I can be this. I hope I can be that. I, I want to be better than that person. I want to have, you know, I want to do this. And, and, and I'm not saying to have those dreams is wrong. I'm not so, I, I just I'm just saying perspective. Because if that's what you're living for, that I can become greater, better than, more famous, or whatever, you're missing the point of the kingdom. The point of the kingdom is not that you would puff yourself up to become greater. It was that, listen, the Bible talks, 1 John, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. It's not about me. It's not about who I am. It's not about how fantastic I am, listen, if we're, if we're trying to build a church, which is just saying we're the best church and we're better than that church and we're better, we're missing the point. The point of this is Him. The point of this is for His glory, for His honor. Whatever we do every week is for Him. Greater is He that lives in me. And so a part of it, my prayer as followers of Jesus is that you would be a people Who as you live your life and as you grow in him and as you grow in his ways and as you learn and understand what his word's saying, you're, you're saying, you're living your life saying more of him, less of me. More of him and less of me. Mordecai, and I pray you are, was okay with being the little man. Because God is big. And able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. He's bigger than all of our glory. Preachers preaching. I pray that's our heart. That he increases. We decree, if you hear nothing else today, may that be your prayer. I just want to increase your glory, your honor, your praise. So we can see from Mordecai's ancestors that he'd been taken from Jerusalem with the exiles carried off by King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon into exile. And we know that the Persian Empire had now crushed the Babylonian Empire. And that's how we find a Jewish story happening in powerful Persia. So that's the, that's the introduction of Esther and Mordecai, the heroes of the story. And so now with Vashti banished and the king now regretting what he had done, it was time to find a new queen. And so they, they did the bachelor king, as we talked about last week. It was time to find a new queen. What better way to do it? To call every good-looking girl, every good-looking girl in the kingdom, come together, let's check you out, and let's see who can be picked uh, our king. And the one the king likes, that's the one he's going 
uh, to pick. So every good-looking available virgin was to participate in point number two, the prettiest Persian pageant. I've tried to say it three times. I still can't get it right. The prettiest Persian pageant, with the prize being you'll be crowned queen. And I would imagine that part, just by the words that are used in the uh, story, that participation in the prettiest Persian pageant was not optional. It wasn't, wasn't like, no thanks, I don't want to, you're in. They were brought to the palace. They had no, uh, no choice. And I would imagine, who knows, that could have been quite a few thousand. I don't know if, if they whittled it down like American Idol or whatever. I don't know. I don't know how they figured it out, but they, they, they whittled it down. They got it uh, sorted out. But we know Esther ended up being taken to the palace. And we know that Mordecai lived nearby so he could check up on her daily to make sure she was okay. And again, the reason she did what Mordecai wanted, she didn't talk about her nationality, the reason she did what she wanted, because she was young, very young, probably around about 15 years old. How old was the king? Probably in his late 30s, early 40s. Okay, so he was a way older man. And they know that because they know when he died, they know when he reigned, and they can work those dates out. But with Esther, all they would know is that she is very, very young. So probably around about 15 or younger or a little bit older than that. Uh, Which is here, just again, just a little reminder. God can and will use the little man. God can and will use teenagers to make a difference. If you're a teenager here today, about three of you, some of you are not too sure. I don't know about that. Come on, God can and will use teenagers today. He will use men and women. He he will use anyone to bring his purpose about. Here's the scary thing. Even pagan kings, even Egyptian pharaohs, will he use to bring about his purposes. Not only that, he may even use you. I think I'll preach over here because they're, they're sure. I said he may even use you. Come on. I dare to believe that God might use you to make a difference in the world that you're living in. After all, he's called you to go into all the world, to preach the gospel, to make disciples teaching them to obey everything he's come out. I mean, he, he, he's, he's called you to it. You don't have to go, well, what's the will of God? There it is. Just do that. Thank you, Pastor. But back to the prettiest Persian pageant. I've got to be careful how I pick these words out. So the prettiest Persian pageant, we saw that Esther was brought to the palace where she underwent 12 months of beauty treatment. How many know, ladies, that is a serious spa plan? It really is. It really, all the ladies go, oh my goodness, yes. 12 months of beauty treatment. At the church, we do a pamper night every now and then. We never are going to do a pamper year. I'm just telling you how it's, <laughs> how it's going. There's no voucher for it. I'm just telling you. But that's what they did. They did 12 months. I'm, and then I was thinking, it's Father's Day coming up. We should have a pamper night for the guys. Come on. Come on, because I like doing my nails. I, 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 I like doing my nails, four inch. I got, okay, that didn't work. It didn't work in the last service as well. Bang those nails in. Some of you are still going, what? I didn't get it. But it was a while before she was brought before the king. 12 months of beauty treatments, but it actually took, and I, that's what I want, the point I want to make as we, we work through this, it actually was much longer than 12 months way longer 
way longer, which leads me to my third point. The tale's timeline. Or the story's timeline. The tale's timeline. See, in Esther chapter 2, it tells us that Esther was taken to the king, King Xerxes, in the royal palace in the 10th month, the month of Tibet, in the 7th year. What year? 7th year. Not a trick question. 7th year of the king's reign. Remember I said we were going to talk about later, later? Thank you, Carl. <laughs> well, this is later. This is later. We're going to talk about later now. Chapter 2, verse 1 starts off with the words, later. In the King James Version, which is the one Jesus used, Esther 2, verse 1 starts off with this, after these things. And so we're going to go, after what things? After what things? See, in chapter 1, verse 1, which we looked at last week, here's what it says. This is what happened during the time of Xerxes, the Xerxes who ruled over 127 provinces, stretching from India to Kush, that's modern-day Ethiopia, at the time King Xerxes reigned from his royal throne in the citadel of Susa, and in the third year, what year? The third year. The third year of his reign, he gave a banquet for all his nobles and officials. When was the big banquet that we were talking about last week? In the third year of his reign. So notice this. Between the end of chapter 1, which was the third year of his reign, and the beginning of chapter 2, which was the seventh year of his reign, there is a four-year gap. When we read the story, it looks like one thing flows after another, and it's like, oh, this, he's like, oh, she's gone, but she's gone, let's go and find somebody else. But I want to tell you, there was a four-year gap. Things didn't happen fast back in those days. There was a four-year gap just between those two chapters. And I'm saying that because sometimes we can read these Bible stories and it appears to go from one exciting event to another. From one moment, one exciting moment to another exciting moment. And some of us can get the impression, it's like, I mean, I mean it just seems continuously God is doing certain things in my life. Nothing's happening. My life, nothing's going on. My life, I... I, I where are you, God? And we can get that impression, but, but we have to understand, just between the end of that chapter and the start of the next chapter, four years had passed. Yeah. Four years. A lot can happen in four years. Wow. Four years had passed. And like I say, we can read these Bible stories, and they appear to go from one event to another. And so we don't see, because we don't, we don't understand that, or we don't read it in that way, we don't see the spaces. We don't see the quiet places or the, or the in-between times. You know, those in-between times where it's like, man, it's boring right now. Oh, man, I don't know what's happening right now. Those in-between times like, nothing's happening. God, I thought you promised. I thought you said. We're in the in-between times. And, and this builds an unrealistic picture of that's how my life should be. My life should be just this, this, this thing going from one moment to another moment to another exciting moment. And we shouldn't have any boring time and, and, and any downtime. And it's just one moment. And, that, and, and after all, I mean, think about it. Instagram. It's like, well, what's Instagram about? Well, getting every instant, instantly. Taking every moment, taking every space. Look what I had for dinner. Look what I had for breakfast. Look what I had yesterday. Look what I had a year ago. Look, here's a memory for, I mean, every moment. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I've got to take a breath. Yeah. 
We just take one moment and we can't wait. We see who's like and 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 like. If somebody doesn't like it, we stay up all night. Why didn't they like it? So we try to get another moment that hopefully they'll like. I know it's not an issue here. It is in the 9.30 service, that is for sure. <laughs> but we Instagram it. <laughs> yeah, and the 8 a.m. it was like Insta what? No, so. Oh my God. <laughs> this isn't going online, is it? Oh, no. <laughs> but listen, we, we live in this, this world, this unrealistic World, this, and when we don't understand the in-between spaces, when we don't under, un, un, understand the gaps between the, the chapters, when we don't understand that there's four years there, when we miss that, when we, when we, we fail to see it, we set ourselves up for, uh, uh, for sadness. We set ourselves up because we're like, God, what are you doing in the middle of, of this? And this creates a generation of what? A generation who is unable to tarry. A generation that is unable to wait, a generation that is unable to be to to to, to be patient or to uh, to rest or to take take the the, the time. And I, I was saying, you know, we you know thinking about the the eight a.m. service. I'm, I'm you know I'm over over fifty, but I tell you, when I was growing up, when you wanted your photos, you took them to the chemist, and then you'd have to wait one week. For the photos, you'd have to wait one week. And not only would you have to wait one week, when you got the photos back, half of them were duds. Half of them didn't, didn't even come out because you'd shot the camera in the wrong, wrong place. But we live in a world now where that's instant. And we've lost the art of waiting. We've lost the, the art of living in the gap, living in the space, living in, the, in between times. We become uncomfortable with the between spaces and places of what's happening. And the thing is, why, why I'm saying this to, today is because 20, the whole year of 2020 feels like an in-between space. It feels like a gap. It feels like, God, what are we doing? What are, where are we at? I mean, we don't even know what's happening next week. It's just I had my whole life planned out and I don't know what's going on now. And so every day I have to tune in to, at 1 o'clock to find out what my life is doing next week. Terakoto Katoa. If we didn't know any Maori, we do now because we've learned that greeting off by heart. Over to you, Mr. Health Minister. I'll tell you what, we need to give, get Jesus to give us a health check. Come on, and rather than worrying about what the health minister is saying, we, we, we've, got to under, we've got to understand we, we don't know how to do life in the gaps, in the spaces. And I was reminded of a message I did, I don't know, a few years ago about the, the two books between the two pages between the Old and the New Testament. Just to remember, you know, we look at blank pages, pages there's nothing written on them, and we don't think much of them, but this, this represents 400 years. 400 years where God said nothing, spoke nothing. The book of Esther goes over 100 years, and God spoke nothing. 
And the thing is, what do we do in these moments when God is silent? What do we do in these moments? How do we live in those moments when we can't hear anything from Him? In those spaces. And I, and I want to say, it's an unrealistic view of life if you're living in Christianity. It's like, oh, I need God to speak with me every moment, every moment. I need to wake up, I need to, at lunchtime and at supper time and whatever. It's, it's just, it, it's not how life was done in the scriptures. See, they knew what it was to live life in the gap. How, how, how did they do it? How, how did they live life in the gap? Well, they trusted in the Lord with all of their heart. They leaned not on their own understanding. They acknowledged Him in all of their ways that He would direct their path. That's what they, that's what they did. Because they understood in these moments, although I don't have hear anything directly from God, I have all these moments. I have all these moments. And, and, and uh, thy word, thy word, thy revealed word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And I can, uh, I can learn from it. I can grow from it. I don't have to have God speaking at every moment. I have his word. And that's why it's so important to know his word. That's why the psalmist talked about I, I, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I might not sin against you. I've, I've hidden it in my heart. 400 years, God said nothing, spoke nothing. What do you do when God is silent? How do you act? How do you live life? How do you live life in the gap? How do you live in the, the moments between chapters? We always want to get to the next chapter. We always, it's like, come on, God, what are you doing? I thought you, I thought you, no, no, no. Who knows, sometimes four years might pass. But God, I thought you said, yeah, four years might pass. See, that's the thing. Think about the book of Esther. I said last week that, that, that in the book of Esther, God is hidden. Esther's identity is hidden. It's one of the themes of Esther. So many things are hidden. God is hidden. But God was not only hidden. There's no mention of him in the book of Esther. But not only is he hidden, he is silent. He says nothing. The book of Esther goes over a period of about 100 years. He says nothing. But they're trusting him. Trusting his word. He was silent. God doesn't speak at all throughout the entire story. And all they could do, all Esther and Mordecai and the other Jewish people could do, all they could do was trust God in the gap because they understood from reading of His Word that the steps of a good man and woman are ordered by the Lord and He will delight in their path. And so all they can do is put one foot in front of the other. So what will your life write on the blank pages of your in-between moments? I had lunch with a young campus pastor from a local church here this week, and he asked me, what advice would you give to a young pastor like me? I said, don't quit. Don't quit. That's my encouragement to you. Don't quit when he's quiet. Don't quit 
when he's quiet. Because here's, here's the thing. If you would hold on, the next chapter is about to be written. If you would hang on to him and trust him. At the turning of this page, I want to tell you, it was 400 years. It was a long time. But at the turning of this page, you've got to understand when this page turns, the Savior's coming. When this page comes, your healing's coming. When this page comes, your deliverance is coming. When this page comes, your redemption is coming. When this, when, when, when this page is turned, life changes. Healing's coming. Hope is coming. So there's a new chapter beginning as that page turns. So I want to encourage you, don't quit when he's quiet. So I want to close today with just saying maybe you need a new beginning. Maybe you need a new chapter. Maybe you've been stuck in the gap for a while and you're going, man, I need that page to turn. You need a new page to turn to turn in your life and in your situation. And that starts by just getting right with God, just starts by saying, Lord, I'm yours. I'm just going to trust you in the midst, midst of it. Maybe you're here and you're going, I've got to get right with God. Maybe you're watching online and you're going, man, I need to get right with God today. You're sitting in your living room and as even as I'm speaking, you're you're going, man, I, I need to sort my life out today. We're going to pray a prayer that I guess just turns the page of our life and starts a new chapter. It's a prayer that says, Jesus, come and be Lord of my life. Maybe you've been coming to church forever. I don't know. Maybe you've been coming for a while. Maybe you've just started coming, whatever it is. But I don't want to finish this service without giving us all an opportunity to just say, God, I'm stuck in the gap. I need to turn towards you. Because your Savior's come. And he's come. That we might have life and have life in all its abundance. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed, wherever you are in your living room, just encourage you to bow your head to pray this prayer that we're going to do out loud which is just really saying Jesus change my life turn the page in my situation in my life I, 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 I want to follow you I want to begin a new chapter so if you can pray out in a loud voice as I say this Lord Jesus I come to you today a sinner in need of a saviour Today, I turn my life towards you and away from sin. Help me to follow you all the days of my life from this day forth. In Jesus' name, amen. If you've prayed that prayer for the first time today, the Bible talks about the fact that you're born again. It's not the end of your journey, it's the beginning. It's the start. It's the first step of a new chapter in your life that God would make a difference in and through you as you make him king and lord of your life. Can I hear a good amen? Amen. amen. amen.
You know, as we close this service today, if you need prayer for anything, there's a prayer station over here and uh, you can ask for prayer for anything, any need. Can uh, They will help you out and pray with you. Next week in part three, we're going to talk about the villain of the story, Haman the Horrible. And so as we talk about him, we're going to learn how he brought this plot to destroy the Jewish people and how God, in the midst of it, through Esther and Mordecai, rescued them. Would you stand just as I pray a blessing over you right now? Put your hands out like this if you desire it. You're back home and you're home. You can do the same. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. And everybody said, Amen. 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 Turn to the person next to you.